0: guys this is Abdeswadou and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Fulham Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Stato Matto, and what a difference a few days make. Last game, we had to endure a boring, dull, goalless draw at the Hawthorns, which consigned us to the playoff places. Well, we've responded to that with a game that contained eight goals, two penalties, one free kick and a red card in a jam-packed game as we overcame Sheffield Wednesday in a thoroughly enjoyable and, frankly, quite bonkers 5-3 win. Joining me to dissect this game is focus veteran Matt Boclair and focus newbie Alan Druitt. We'll also be discussing the upcoming final game of the season against Wigan and all the final day permutations that come with it. There's a lot to discuss, so without further ado, let's crack on. So, we'll start by casting our mind back to Saturday at 2pm, when the starting 11 was announced. There were five changes. Ivan Cavalera was the only enforced change, with the rest probably being squad rotation, with Maxime Le Stefan Johansson, Harry Arter, Nieskens-Gabano and Cyrus Christie coming into the team. We'll go to you first, Alan. What were your thoughts on the initial starting eleven?
1: It was good to see Harrison Reed on the bench. Uh, probably should have kept him wrapped up in cotton wool, considering he's probably been our best player since the restart a few of the, you know, it's good to see Knockhart get another go. I do think he's just one game away from finding his confidence. But the rest of the squad, it was, you know, probably good enough to beat Sheffield Wednesday. And as it proved, it was.
0: That's good. Do you do you think there was kind of Scott Parker had one eye on the playoffs, you know, by resting these key players?
1: Yeah, I, I think he did. Um, as I said, I think we all agreed that Harrison Reid deserved a break. Um, there's no point risking him because if he gets injured then you know it scuppers our chances but yeah it, he definitely had one eye on the on the playoffs
0: definitely and in the case of a few players a few players um were starting for their first time in a long time so Maxime Lamarchand, for example this was his first start since late november frenchy do you have any additional thoughts on the team lineup at all
2: i guess i was a little bit surprised to see Lamarchand play because we're we're more used to seeing kind of Christie and Dennis Adoy in the fullback positions if Joe Bryan doesn't make it. But I, th- I know Maxime Lomarchand probably just going to get criticised because he's always going to be associated with um, with the Premier League failure, in which I thought he was probably one of our better defenders actually that season. And um, and he kind of dilly dallied on the ball a little bit when um, when he gave, or oh, he didn't give away the penalty when Rodak gave away the penalty. So I can imagine people are thinking, "Oh, bloody Maxime Lomarchand!" but um, I thought he had an okay game, and it's difficult when um, when players just aren't getting much football, and then they're thrown in for a for a full ninety minute bonanza, and they're going to be rusty as as most of the players were when uh, after the restart. So um, I, I guess I was a little bit surprised with the starting lineup because I'm I'm a big advocate of kind of when when you've got something um, and you're winning, then just don't change it. And I know we want to protect the squad for the um uh, for the playoffs but even still i'd I'd rather just keep that squad together and just keep them even more drilled but now harrison reed's going to miss out against wigan anyway so yeah they're they're my thoughts
0: yeah we'll touch up upon mlm's performance throughout the game later on and as well as harrison Reed's suspension we'll we'll go into the game now and it was quite a good opening 10 minutes we were on top and then we capitalized on that with our first goal. Michael Hector, throughout the last few games, you've seen that he's been doing a lot of uh, long-range passing and in this instant, he managed to pick out Niskin's Cabano very well. Cabano touched it down, cut in and I thought it was a pretty good finish. Frenchy, what what was your thoughts on the goal?
2: Pretty much exactly what you've just said to be honest, mate. Yeah, hell of a ball from Michael Hector. I think the keeper will be disappointed that he he hasn't done better with that. It it was right in the bottom corner, but if the keeper, um, if the keeper just moves a bit quicker, then he's then he saved that because there wasn't much pace on it. But I go, I mean, I've been critical of since Caballo because he, not a great deal seems to happen creatively when the ball comes to him. Um, but he does love playing against Sheffield Wednesday, especially at the end of the season. He got a couple against them at Hillsborough um, two or three years ago, um, and now he's done it again. So yeah, fair play to him, and it's nice, especially if Cavallero is going to be injured for the playoffs, to see him come into form.
0: I think that's exactly right. And like you said, he likes scoring against Sheffield Wednesday. Alan, that's, that's got to do Cabano's confidence a world of good, doesn't
1: it? Oh, of course. And, he, you know, it's just show the rest of the game what a goal can do to a player's confidence with him scoring the free kick and just his general match play. He seemed to be improved and what we've seen since the restart. So hopefully he can kick on and the more players that have, you know, their, their confidence backs better for us in the next few games.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And after that goal, we kind of grew into the game a lot more. We started playing a lot more confidently. And then we scored the second goal. And the second goal, I think myself, along with most other fans, were probably screaming at our defence when they were just so casually passing it back between themselves when Wednesday were pressing us quite high. But it paid off. Johansson managed to get the ball forward to Josh Onomer, who played a fantastic through-ball into Mitrovic for a really good first-time finish. Alan, what are your thoughts on those goals, on that goal side?
1: Yeah, no, it, it was a bit re- at too much of a relaxed pace, I think. But, you know, because they did press us high, as long as you beat the press, you've got pretty much a four-on-four, five-on-five chance. And I, I thought we played, you know, we held the situation really well and it was a good goal in the end. We don't see enough f- forward passes <clears throat> for me. So, you know, it was good to see the ball go forward at pace and Mitrovic is deadly inside the 18-yard box.
2: Come yeah. in on that as well. Was, sorry, stats. So just to come in on that as well, I just I've, I've kind of lost count of um of what the uh the the championship top scorers were. So Mitrovic is now top on 26 goals, one one ahead of Oli Watkins, Brentford's Ollie Watkins. That's um right. and um and the averages 135 minutes per goal, whereas um Oli Watkins averages 162 minutes per goal. So I'd say Mitrovic is, is clearly the better striker. Um, and the chances are he's going to have a few more games at the end of the season to prove it as well.
0: Definitely, and that brings us nicely on to the third goal, which was Mitro's second of the game. It was a clear penalty, wasn't it, Frenchy? Yeah, it was a penalty, yeah. I think there's no um, doubt about it.
2: About it. <laughs> no, the, the Sheffield Wednesday defender just didn't even bother trying to argue. He just kind of held his hands up. Yeah, you definitely caught him, mate. Yeah. Um, crack penalty to be honest he slipped didn't he but um, he's, he's put it straight down the middle and thank God the keeper dived out the way of it yeah it, it's definitely definitely wasn't as emphatic as his penalty against Cardiff the other week that's for sure Yeah. No,
0: no. do you reckon that had he not slipped it would have gone in that direction or not or it was just very lucky
2: it, you, by that direction do you mean the direction of the goal <laughs>
0: well yeah
2: yeah <laughs> who knows where it was going who knows, but, yeah, who,
0: knows? Um, who knows who knows mate but it meant we were 3 0 up by half time and cruising. And I think at half time, we all thought, that's it. That's the game wrapped up. We were looking forward to Wigan. And yeah, that should have been it. But then straight out at the second half, from 49 minutes, it was an example of when playing at the back doesn't really work. And we conceded a penalty and they made it 3 1. Now, firstly, was it a penalty? I'm going to come to you on this, on this, Alan. I don't think it was. I don't know what your thoughts are on this.
1: I've seen it about five, six times now, and I I still don't know how he's managed to give a penalty. You know, he's, he's yeah. got a clear view. The balls had the balls changed direction. He's clearly won the ball, and because the players, you know, carried on his momentum, he's fell over Rodak, and it was a terrible decision. Terrible.
0: It was awful. Yeah, I I agree, and it, it kind of brought Wednesday back into the game. But you need to question, despite the fact it was a dodgy dodgy decision. Why were we playing ourselves into a situation like that by trying to play out from the back? And I think it was Tim Meem who gave it to Le Marchand and who was kind of dilly-dallying around with it in our box, which ended up giving it away. We've seen the first, the second goal was an example of Parker Ball being good. And this goal was an example of Parker Ball playing bad. Frenchie, what are your views on us trying to pass it out of the back like this?
2: Yeah, it's never really sat that well with me when um, when, when we've done that. Um, I think when Tim Ream got the ball, he did look forward to try and give it to somebody else. Um, but Sheffield Wednesday players had just pushed up and they they'd put, put our other defenders under pressure. And there wasn't really an awful lot else Tim Ream could have done with it except for put his foot through it. And we, ne- we never see that, do we? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um, I think it, it was a bit of a, um, a hospital pass to, to Maxime Le Marchand in, in many ways. And perhaps he should have turned away from goal and just kicked it out of play rather than turning back towards his goalkeeper and, and losing it. But that's that's the way we play these days, isn't it? And it's the way a lot of teams play. Um, and in all honesty, when we when we have a goal kick and we don't play it out from the back and we try and go a bit longer, we we often lose the ball anyway. So it's just a shame this one led to a goal.
0: Absolutely. And I think people will blame Le for giving the ball away. But I think it's very harsh on him because Reem gave him the ball in an impossible position. And it was just unlucky that he lost the ball where he was, which led to the penalty. But that made it 3-1 and it was game on. But then we made it 4-1 because Cabano, with a very smart free kick under the ball, made it 4-1. I think overall it was a great performance from him, and really it was it was kind of the first of any of our wingers to have a good game since the restart. I guess we're coming back to the Cabano subject again, but would you say he's kind of working his way back into the starting eleven, Alan?
1: Oh, for sure. And as Matt mentioned earlier, if Cavaliero is out for the remainder of the season, he's he's going to be massive for us. Um, I'd rather see him there than you know, the rest we have at our disposal, but. You know, he's, he scored two goals, played really well and rolled on Wigan, where I think his confidence is just going to carry on growing. Um, and, yeah, more goals, please.
2: I'd say I don't hold your breath about that.
1: Don't hold <laughs> your breath. I can't, I can't agree he's
2: going to be a, a massive play for, player for us. Generally, for us, he's been shit. But yesterday he was good and he does show that he's got something um, and he's going to have to show it in some big games now. If Cavalero is not there, and and can he, is he up to it? I don't know. But we'll we'll have that conversation again in a in a week or two's time, and we'll see. I hope so.
0: I know in the last pod you 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 were, you were questioning what is the point of Gabana, but I think when that second goal went in and everyone was celebrating with him and he was doing with the backflips you can see he's a larger than life character. And I think what he can bring to the changing room is kind of a lot of enthusiasm. And I think he's just a fun guy to be around so you know he's, he's there to boost the morale else. and if you can put in good performances like this as well you know i think that can really work in our favor particularly if is out injured for an indefinite amount of time if is out injured for ages as well it kind of really only leaves us with him knockout and bobby reed on the wings and i think at the moment i'd rather him over bobby reed and you know i'd say it's between knockout and bobby reed on the other position
2: What's Cavalero's then? Is
0: Cavalero's a hamstring? Well, the club, the club have been very quiet about this, like they, like they have done with Kamara. Yeah. We, we don't know how long they're out for or what their issue, what the issue is. I think with Cavalero, it's definitely the hamstring because we yeah. saw him holding it. But yeah, we just don't know when they'll be back or if they'll be back for the playoffs at all.
2: Mm. Yeah,
0: but we we'll just have to wait and see. So we were four-one yeah. up, and. I think Parker thought that'd be a perfect time to reintroduce Tom Kearney into the team. He didn't really have the most impactful of games, but I think it was good to see him come back nonetheless. Uh, Fenchi, do you have anything to say about you know, Kearney coming back into the team? Does he add, is there an importance of him returning at all?
2: I still think that we've looked at our best recently when he's not been in the team. And I think we were really beginning to pick up some momentum. Um, that being said, Tom is a big game player, and he's got history of being a big game player. Just off the top of my head, you know, he scored the equal that famous equaliser against Leeds a few years ago. He scored the winner against, uh, or sorry, the, the 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 goal against Reading in the playoffs, and then of course he scored at Wembley as well. Um, would I play him uh, going forward? I, I'd ha- I'd definitely have him on the bench, but I'd like to see. Certain, I mean, Wigan he may play against Wigan. Yeah, going into the, going into uh, going into the playoffs, I'd like to see Arthur Reid and Onuma as the three, and then having um, having Tom Kearney on the bench to bring on um, would definitely uh, would definitely be a good thing.
0: I think uh, I think that could that's gen- that's the general consensus now, and I think how we set up our midfield, it's either Onoma or Kearney. Would you agree with that, Alan?
1: No, um, oh. that's 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 purely because. I'm a huge fan of Tom Kearney, um, and I okay. think, you know, at, when he's on form, he's on, he's unstoppable. He's, he's unplayable at times, um, and it's strange. We are all sort of all slagging Arthur off, but no one's really been his biggest fan before the break. And since we've come back, you know, he's had his doubters, but now he gets into people's first eleven. So it's, it's funny what a few games can do. But I'd still like to see Tom Kearney in that first eleven. Considering he's our captain as well, but I just think, as Matt said, he is a big game player, and every game from now will be a big game.
2: Okay. At the moment, well, surely we'll... you've got to pick your, you've got to pick your form team rather than uh, your, maybe your best players.
1: Yeah, yeah. I suppose you do, but you know he has been injured the last couple of games. But the way we play with Kearney is different to how we play without him, and whether that's purely down to Anoma, I'm not sure but we seem to pass the ball forward more without Kearney in the squad. So I'm not sure if that's a Kearney issue or a Parker issue, but I'd always have Kearney in my team.
0: What would your preferred midfield three be then?
1: Uh, It would be Reed, Kearney and Anoma. Uh, Play Kearney further forward, Reed holding, and then make Anoma do the Johansson role in the slab side, just box to box, because I think he's good enough to do that.
0: Okay. Okay. That's, 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 that's a valid point. I think, I think I I would personally stick with Onema, Reid and Arta because it's worked so well. And I think the fact that we have Kearney coming back now, he would be a really good player to bring on, bring on as an impact substitute. He could change a game. Like you said, he, he's, he's good enough to come on, change our dynamic, change how we play. And he could kind of give us that extra, extra dimension. But we'll just have to wait and see what Parker will put out for the playoffs, I guess. So we are 4-1 up at that point and we look like we were cruising towards three points and then unfortunately they put a go back to 4-2. It was just an unlucky deflection, wasn't it, Alan? There's not much that anyone could have done about that really.
1: Not really, but if you wanted to be slightly critical, probably would have liked Christie to put a better boot on the ball with his clearance. But, Mm. you know, it's come out to the Shovel Wednesday player he shot and Deflections go anywhere nine times out of ten, and it could have gone anywhere. But unfortunately for us, it went in.
0: It did, it did, and we're thinking it's four two. It's okay. We still got that two goal lead. But then in the eighty eighth or eighty ninth minute, a cross comes in from the left, and their tall striker Nuhu comes in, and it's a good header to be fair. But it makes it four three, and it it makes it a bit squeaky bum time, doesn't it, Frenchie?
2: Yeah, I guess so. Um, Harry Arter giving the ball away in in midfield again to start that move off wasn't great. And I thought Michael Hector was at fault really for just allowing that guy a free header. He just kind of stopped, um, allowed him to get in front of him. And it it was a good header, but really you'd kind of expect Michael Hector to to come out and head that away.
0: And it would be a typical Fulham performance if the whole game... We were looking forward to the Wigan game at the potential of having automatics only for us to somehow draw four wall and throw that all the way. But that wasn't the case because a few minutes later, we managed to break away and Bobby De Cordova-Reed, he brought it forward. And just on the edge of the box, he managed to get that shot away and make it 5-3 and game over. Now, similar to the Cabano goal, was that just a good finish or was that poor goalkeeping? And I'm going to come to Alan about that one first.
1: It was a good finish. Um, I will always back the Fulham player, but you know, I think the goalkeeper, when he looks back on those five goals conceded, he probably could have done a lot better with a, a few of them. Stato,
2: you're a keeper, mate. What, what I are am indeed. <laughs>
0: what were your thoughts? I, th- I think for a lot of the goals, um, although they look quite slow, so Cabano free kick in the short, it looked quite slow-paced. I think they were... Would- very well placed to the point there the goalkeeper his positioning could have been a bit better but at the same time there's a lot of bodies in front of him for some of those goals so it would have been very he would have seen those goals very late which you know which which is why he reacted quite late but yeah five goals for fulham so we can't complain and going back to the bobby's goal quickly that's that's got to do his confidence a world of good doesn't it frenchy
2: We've said this before, though, haven't we? I can't remember who he scored. He scored a brilliant goal where he cut in from the left, beat about two or three players, and then put the ball in the top corner. And it was a great goal. And we said, oh, yeah, he's, his confidence is going to be sky high now. And then that was probably the last goal we scored from memory. Um, he's, he's just hot. He's been hot and cold for us ever since he signed.
0: Yeah, I think I think he has. And uh, like you said, like we said last time it would do good for his confidence, but hopefully it, it does count this time. Alan, do you have anything to add on to that at all?
1: I think he he he's gonna benefit us as a bit part of player. I'd like to see him come on then start because his work rate going back and forward is is exceptional. But he's not he's not a starter for me. He does a lot right, but he also does a lot wrong. Um, he just seems to wander in and out of games too much for me. So I'd like to see him more of an impact player than a starter.
0: Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with that. And then we thought that was it for all the action. But then very late on, Harrison Reed got sent off. And there was a bit of confusion because people didn't know whether it was two yellows or whether it was a straight red. I personally, I didn't see the first yellow card. So I was very confused about what was going on. But it turns out it was two yellows, which means it's a one match ban. Is that a bit of, of, of a blessing in disguise at all, do you reckon, Frenchie?
2: I wouldn't call it a blessing in disguise, but it's certainly not the end of the world because I wouldn't have played him against Wigan anyway. Um, I Maybe have him on the bench just in case. But I think, I, I think the, the chances are we're going to be heading into the playoffs. We can still make the automatics. We've just got to focus on winning the game and then let the other results take care of themselves. Um, I wouldn't say it's blessing in disguise. I would rather he didn't get sent off. Um, but whatever happens, if we are in the playoffs, and he's back for the playoffs, so it's fine.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think also yesterday showed that in the absence of Reed, Steph, Joe and Arter did quite a tidy job in midfield. So even though he's been one of our standout performers, we still got enough squad depth there to be able to do a job against Wigan. So this result, 5-3, it's a very unscott Parker result. We normally used to get getting 1-0 and keeping the clean sheet and keeping the defence compact. Alan, what what were your thoughts on the overall result and performance of the game?
1: It was nice to see us score five goals. It wasn't nice to see us concede three, but you know it's one of those end of the season games where Sheffield Wednesday had nothing to play for, hype where they were the joint highest scorers in the in the league at the time. So you know it it was nice to see a bit of action for a change, rather than some of the dull performances we've seen at home to Birmingham and a few others to name, but. Yeah, and no, it was good to see some goals for a change.
0: Definitely, and it means that for another season, Craven Cottage has not seen a nil-nil, and long may that continue. So we'll come to Scott Parker's rating, Frenchy, What are you going to give him for the game?
2: Um. Yeah, I think seven. Um. I- I wasn't really that fussed about the game because I kind of I kind of thought that we'd just be going through the motions, um, preparing for the playoffs. But after Brentford and West Brom both lost all of a sudden, it just gives that little kind of inkling of hope that, that we could still make the automatics. Uh, he, he made a lot of changes that kind of suggested that we were preparing um, for, for the playoffs. And we still managed to score five goals. So... Um his changes were okay as well. I think we saw um Harrison Reed and Tom Kearney, and then Bobby Reed come on and then Adoy and Stephen Sessignon uh, at the end of the game as well, just to see the game out um so yeah no no complaints, but we hardly ripped up any trees even though we scored five goals because we conceded three, so just a middle of the race seven for me
0: very good and Alan, your
2: thoughts
1: i it's hard to to add anything to that i th- I think Matt's reflection on park performance was spot on. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a seven from me as well.
0: I think, yeah, that, that's the general consensus and I agree with all of that. Uh, Parker, it was it was one of those weird games where his changes didn't really affect much. It was just a bonkers game that had goals at either end. But some of the changes he did make, you know, bringing on Session and Odoi to show up the defence, his tactics throughout the game. So Onomo was playing further forward almost as a second striker at points, which was a good move. And it's something that I'd like to see Kearney do more If He does start more games. And yeah, it was just an overall good performance from Fulham. And yeah, I think a seven out of 10 middle of the road was pretty much the right result. So that's the end of the Sheffield Wednesday review. We got the win. Join us in a bit where we'll be looking at the preview for our final game against Wigan. Fulham. Okay. So we have one game left in the league and Automatic promotion somehow is still a possibility. I'm sure, like me, you've been looking at what results are needed for us to get automatic promotion and we know what other results need to go our way. So for those of you who don't know what is needed, we need to win at Wigan. West Brom need to lose at QPR. And Brentford need to lose or draw against bottom of the table Barnsley. Frenzy, it's... The odds are against us. What are the chances of all that actually happening?
2: Um, well, West Brom are out of form, really, aren't they? Their their last three games have been draw, draw, lose. Um, they just haven't seemed to manage to to wrap it up when, when it's kind of been there for them. And, and Barnsley, well, Barnsley beat Forest today. They had a late winner against Nottingham Forest and it's all to play for for them. So, Barnsley... Barnsley are currently on 46 points, Luton are on 48 (laughs) and Charlton are on 48. So Barnsley need to win that game to give themselves any sort of a chance of of staying up. But then you've got to factor in the fact that that Wigan, who are on 58 points, may have Mm -hmm. a 12 point deduction coming as well. So it's just everything to play for for Barnsley. Brentford, again, they missed the chance to, to really put themselves in the driving seat at the weekend, so they'll be nervous going into this game, and I don't think we will, because the odds are stacked against us, so we can just go out and play and try and get the win, and the other, the other two teams, West Brom and
0: Brentford, you know, the
2: pressure's on them, because we're breathing down their necks.
0: I agree, it's it's a big ask, but you know, the teams that Brentford, well, the team Brentford playing Barnsley, Barnsley will, put, will be up for that and they'll be going all out in the attack Alan what what, what do you think the likelihood of everything going away will be
1: nearly impossible but (laughs) while while, while, while there's a chance we we have to we have to believe it you know we've seen what pressure can do to to teams to human beings anyway but the way with Brom played against Huddersfield and Brentford played against Stoke they seem to be a bit shot shy they looked completely different to the way they played very negative going forward and you know, the longer both of those games stay nil nil, the better it is for us. I think an early goal either way does nothing for us. But I think the longer both of those games can sort of stay goalless and edgy, the better it is for us and more chance of something happening. But luckily we only yeah. need West Brom to lose. Brentford only have to draw, so
2: we've been in this position before, haven't we? <laughs> Two years ago when we went to Birmingham on the last day and we we just thought just focus on winning. Two nil and nil with Reading. So had we won that game, we'd have gone up automatically, awesome and we ended up just choking. Um, so hopefully we won't choke, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully both West Brom and Brentford will lose, and then it's in our hands to to win, or even though the games are happening happening at the same time. But we've just got to concentrate on winning that game. That's all.
0: Definitely, I think two years ago it was a it was a bit different. Like we we were twenty two, we were twenty three games unbeaten, and there was the expectation that would beat Birmingham, but I think no one was expecting Cardiff to mess up the way they did, but it happened and is what it is. But I think now there's very little expectation for us to get automatic promotion. And I think, like I said, that kind of makes, that puts less pressure on us than other teams. You know, the the most, the biggest team that'd be under the most pressure will be West Brom by far. They just need to win or draw and actually they need to win depending on the Brentford result. So it's all pressure on them and very little pressure on us before i move on to the the wigan game itself is there kind of a sense of all root, like all these missed chances we've had throughout the season so by that i mean we lost to barnsley back to back and we dropped points against charleston both times had we just won one of those games would, would would be in would be under would be second and would be in a position to be getting promoted is is there almost a sense of just all these missed chances throughout the season, Alan?
1: You could say that, but we have one one game left of the season, and I firmly believe where you are at the end of the season is where you deserve to be. I'm sure Brentford and Wish Brom could turn around and say the same thing. If only we had done this. If only we had done that. So obviously you can look back and pick points. That yeah, we you know we lost to Barnsley twice. There's a few games in there that we we should have won but didn't. So you know over the case of. Forty-six games. It's you know. There's going to be very little hard luck stories. Also, yeah. also,
2: we haven't been in the top two at all this season, have we? So if we were to do, if we were to go up automatically, it would be a case of us nicking it the very last minute, which would be, you know, really, really cheeky, but hilarious.
0: Oh, it'd be the jammiest of promotions, wouldn't it, if that happened? But we we'll just have it'd to wait and brilliant. see. It would be. be it'd be. It'd be fantastic. So. <laughs> let's let's look at what team we'd want to put out against wigan do we want to rest more players in anticipation for the playoffs or do we go all out in the anticipation that brentford and westbourne will mess up what do you think venci
2: um i i would bring joe bryan back in um and i'd play dennis adoy as well i think dennis adoy seems to be the uh, the favored right back when we're playing away from home at the moment um i, I believe in keeping that defense together um, it's pointless, you know, tinkering with it at this stage of the season just for the sake of, of you know, keeping players fit. Um, I'd also have the same starting midfield three of Arta, Onoma, and, and Stefan Johansson for this one. Um, as we said, Harrison Rees not available anyway. And then definitely go Cabano, Knockart, and Mitrovic as, as your front three. And yeah, Tom Kearney on the bench and probably see him come on and have 20, 25 minutes. What do you reckon, Alan?
1: No, I'd. I'd probably agree with that. Um, Yeah, exactly the same team as you said. I'd I'd probably do that.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think the attack will have to stay largely the same because we have no one there at the moment. And the midfield you mentioned, it works well. There's no point breaking up the Ream-Hector partnership we've had at the moment because although people have been critical of Ream, we're keeping clean sheets and we're defending generally well with that centre-back pairing. So, yeah, that should hopefully be the team on Wednesday. Just looking at our opponents, Wigan. So, as, as we all know, they're in administration. But at the moment, it's very unclear about whether they'll get a 12-point deduction. There's lots of ifs and buts and appeals and legal stuff going on. But if they do get the 12-point deduction, that will mean they will get relegated on the points that they're currently on. They're going to be up for this game, aren't they, Alan? They're going to try and want to get something from us. They're not going to lay down easily.
1: Oh, of course, and they've been on, on a good run of form themselves. I think they've only lost to Brentford since the restart. Scoring for fun at home, and I'm pretty sure they have one of the best home records in the in the league. So, yeah, of course, they're going to. They're playing one of the best teams in the league as well. So, I think that's an extra incentive to try that little bit harder.
0: Definitely, and you you mentioned they played well since the restart. They've won five, they've drawn two, lost one. They thrashed Hull 8-0 the other day. They're, 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 it's going to be a tough game. Frenchy, do you have anything to extra to say about Wigan at all? Just looking,
2: um, they drew They drew with Charlton at the weekend. They were away at Charlton, and Charlton equalised right at the end. So that's a bit of a kick in the balls for Wigan. They would have really, really appreciated the extra couple of points out of that game, especially against a, a, a relegation rival, I suppose, if, if they do have their 12-point uh, deduction. Um, I just wonder if they're if they're going to really go for it against us. I guess they may be more inclined to go for it than we will. Then I don't know whether that will play into our hands because we can soak up the pressure and then you know use use our quicker players to to try and get in behind them. I don't know. I, I don't know how I see this going. To be honest, uh, I, I guess we're going to come on to that, are we?
0: We will indeed. We will indeed. So, Wigan. <laughs> We haven't actually lost at Wigan in the last 15 years. The last time we lost was back in 2005 with a Pascal Chimbonda goal in the 90th minute. Since then, it's just been wins and draws at the DW. So that, that bodes well for us, surely, doesn't it, Frenchy?
2: Yeah, if you like. I mean, I think, I think all that sort of stuff's going to go out the window in a game like this. It's just an end-of-the-season game when everyone's kind of just having to go for it. Anything could happen. And it's it's a really difficult one to call. Um, on paper, obviously, we should beat them. Um, but, you know, on paper, Wigan should not be beating Hull City 8-0. So, who knows?
0: Who knows? Anything can happen. So, we'll crack on with the score prediction, but I don't want you to just predict the Fulham game. I want you to try and predict what the scores will be in the West Brom and Brentford game as well. Alan, I'll come to you first. What do you think will happen
1: uh, I'll start off with our game. Uh, I think we'll, we'll edge it 2-1. Uh, I think Brentford will draw uh, 1-1. But I do think West Brom will beat QPR quite comfortably in the end. Probably 3-0. I
0: think you could be right there. Frenchy, what do you think?
1: Yeah, QPR
2: aren't going to be able to do us any favours, are they? They've got nothing to play for whatsoever. So, um, so they'll be they'll be more than happy to lose. But I I, I don't know who do QPR hate more, Brentford or Fulham? Because they won't want to do either of us a favour.
0: They just want to lose. Yeah, yeah. they? they'll, they'll just lose then. So ne- neither of us go up. So. Yeah, exactly. It's
2: it's lose at all costs for QPR, isn't it? So I, I think Alan's right. Yeah, I think I think West Brom QPR will be um, will be a comfortable win for. Um, for West Brom and I, I I honestly I could see both us and Brentford winning as well I think everyone will win um and it it will finish as you were and we'll go on to play forest in the playoffs which I don't think is an actual uh, a bad thing considering forest form at the moment they've really gone to shit at the moment
0: so I'd be happy with that I think I think yeah I think you're right I think we'll we'll, we'll win but I don't think it will be enough I think West Brom will probably get that win or draw to go up and we'll be in the playoffs. Interesting that you said Forest, they're in dreadful form at the moment and I think they're actually on level points with Cardiff now. Yeah, Cardiff and Nottingham Forest are both on 70 points, so if we finish fourth, we could be seeing Cardiff in the playoffs instead.
1: I doubt that because Forest have got Hull at home in there, so I I can't see them Ah. dropping points there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) Hull
0: are awful at the moment. Bless them. So there we have it. Our fate our fate lies with our bitter rivals and the team that are bottom of the championship or second bottom, sorry. Who knows what will happen? Wednesday will surely just be an epic day in the championship overall with three teams competing for automatic promotion, two teams competing for the playoffs and a relegation race that is just all over the place. All we can do is pray Fulham do the job and if we go up, we go up And if not, we'll see you in the playoffs. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next time. Fulham.